listening to Robert Wright's Non-Zero Podcast. Hello, Paul. Hello, Bob. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, Paul. Let me introduce you. I'm Robert Wright, uh, publisher of Non-Zero News. This is a Non-Zero Podcast. You are Paul Bloom, famous uh, psychologist, prolific writer, productivity guru, and uh, publisher of the uh, Small Potatoes Newsletter on Substack. Paul, you know, I'd like to start today with some bad news for you. Go ahead. You ready for this? I'm ready. I discovered this morning that um, your newsletter on Substack Small Potatoes is not the only newsletter on Substack called Small Potatoes. Did you know that? I did know that. I think I noticed that at some point. Yeah, but do you realize you're up against a rabbi here? The other one is, is run by rabbi. God is not on your side. Well, we'll see. We'll see how God fares in this one. This is, <laughs> you know this is nothing, fares. This is nothing less than the battle of good and evil. I am just gonna I'm just gonna spend the year. I'm just gonna get like a huge thing of popcorn and watch you and this rabbi duke it out for the small potatoes crown. I'm looking forward to this. You do have you do have more readers than she has, but she has God on her side. Maybe we could join forces. Just have small potatoes combine the, the podcast. See, this is that's a very Paul-esque thing to say. I would have I thought it's a very non-zero thing to say. What's that? It's yeah. very non-zero thing to right. say. You would think the person who wrote that book would say that kind of thing, but I, I, I'm like more inclined to hire a hitman and things, stuff like that. <laughs> so um, I, have two, I have two questions, about, a comment and a question about your podcast. Uh-huh. The question is, who's the voice that begins it now? This is the, the female voice introduced to your podcast. That is the uh, fiance slash wife you know, the youngsters today have so many ambiguities in their, you know, gender-related categories. That is a fiancé slash wife of, uh, I, am I authorized to disclose that? Let's just say for someone who works on the podcast. Okay. And is also the graphics czar for the newsletter. Well, it's so, a very nice voice, very authoritative. Very Yeah, no, we screened, oh, thousands, thousands I of could, I could imagine that. Yeah. The, the casting calls of these people lined up. And no, her relationship with the guy who works with me is a coincidence. We screened mm -hmm. thousands. Um, so and, and and the second thing I want to say about your podcast was I listened to um to your discussion with Russ Roberts and I thought it was excellent. You know, I'm glad you say that because I took a little heat that I won't elaborate on over that. But yeah, he heat, is heat Russ from, Roberts heat from the left. Like why do you talk no, about that? Heat from the pro-Israel right. Russ Roberts uh, has this uh, well-known podcast called Econ Talk, uh, and he's had it for a long time, and he was kind enough to have me on it once. And um, he's now president of a small college in Jerusalem, and so has lived in Israel for a couple of years. And uh, so, yeah, we talked about kind of the view from Israel. But thank you. That means a lot. It was, it was very, you know, you, you guys talked at length, presented different positions. And yeah. It was good. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, how are things in Canada? What? What? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, nothing. Nothing going on. Um, no. There's, you, there's you know, a typical Canadian headline is: How did Canadian newspapers cover the resignation of Harvard's president? That's we, a question. We, what is we, the answer to that question? I didn't. I didn't click it. But we live. We live in the shadow of the United States. It's, it's, you know, every third article is about Nikki Haley. 
So what's this cons- the Canadian view on the conspiracy to have the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl so that Taylor Swift can help Joe Biden stay in the White I think, House? I think many of us think that it's not a real uh, conspiracy. Seriously. There has to be a word for the sort of something where you attribute to the other t- side an insane view that only like a, a tiny portion of people have it, and then you mock it mercilessly. Oh, well, that's like the modern world. We should yeah, just like call that social yeah. media. How's that for, right. for their social good Social media term? is a good, a good word for that. Yeah. That really is the plague of our time. I mean, it really it really is. And uh, you see it in all kinds of things. Did you, um, did you hear this is a non-conspiratorial music connection? Did you hear Tracy Chapman on the Grammys? I can't get that song out of my head. I watched that like eight times, Fast Car. Yeah. You know, I was only kind of vaguely aware of it. Here's this. Thing. Well, go ahead and say your thing. So I, I like J.C. Chapman for a long time. I'm not amused. I'm, I'm not a fan yeah. of anybody in particular. I just would, would would always, you know, it's on my Spotify list. I always get Alexa to, to play her, and uh-huh. I, just lo- I love the song. And Fast Car is great. And then apparently the story goes: some country western guy covered it, won a lot of awards. Luke uh, something. Yeah, that would work just as well. Even if the name isn't Luke, it could be Luke. <laughs> I think it is. The, I mean, he sang it with her. He's the yeah. guy who sang it with yes. her on stage at yes. the Grammys. Yeah. And then, and then somebody. And again, this this falls under what you're calling social media. Somebody held a view that nobody really holds, which is that guy is an asshole because he's stealing from the work of a black woman who didn't get enough credit and so on. And so yeah. he's in some way a horrible person. Tracy Chapman's um, response was. To be tremendously excited that her that the song from way way back is getting so much play now, presumably getting a lot of money for it, and then gets invited to do a duet with the guy in the Grammys and and watching her do it, this this was beautiful. And you know it she's was. in her late she's in her late fifties. She's fifty nine, and she the looks voice like, is indistinguishable, yeah. and she and she looks like forty or yeah. whatever. And the voice is and I I I am not a sort of cheer up kind of guy. And I'm looking at my phone while some other TV shows play in the background. And I just look and I just. It was a great thing. And here's the funny thing is like I was in Denver uh, months ago and I was staying at my brother's house and all day in their house. Uh, and hey, it's their call. But all day in their house, Alexa plays some country Western like, like, you know, streaming station thing. Yeah. And I heard that song a couple of times and I had only been vaguely aware of it. It, it, it. You know, it rang a bell. I had heard it before. I liked it and I thought, good sound. This is a country Western version. I had no idea what was going on. But yeah, that was Luke Combs having turned it into a hit second time. And now she apparently got some kind of country Western music award already really? for his version because she, cause she original, wrote it. But now it was a country Western song. And so she got that. But it really is. And so I, I had never, you know, looked at the lyrics, but I looked at them. It's a great song. And the interesting thing is, you know, it, it, it was, you know, written in a context of, you know, I think she was had had a tough childhood. So it's written in the I mean, she certainly was brought up uh, without a father. And uh, and so it was written in the context of kind of low income uh not very privileged black experience. But when you think about it, you know, a lot of white people in America could relate to it too. They, they yeah. come from dysfunctional, you know, fa- families with problems and they don't have, and, uh, 
And so I kind of read that into it is, uh, you know, some kind of, um, yeah. It's the uh, universe, his universal themes. Yeah. It, so there was some, yeah, it was a, it was a nice, uh, nice little fusion going on there. And it's That's a great right. song. It, it's one of these, you know, there are a few songs where you like him and you go, that's not like any other song. You know what I mean? It's like 99% of songs you hear clearly fit in some genre and they sound a lot like the other songs. This is, this is one of those songs that's just distinctive. I was when I was a kid, like a kid, kid, I don't remember how young. There was a TV playing in the background, black and white maybe. And mm -hmm. it was, uh, it was, and some, for some reason, this woman was playing and it was Joan Armitrading. Mm, mm, yeah. and, and my music was, you know, indifferent pop music, maybe Pink Floyd or whatever. And I just listened to her and it just, it just hit me like, like it's from Mars. I'd never heard music like that. Well, she had a and, very distinctive voice too. Yeah. I, I asked the chat GPT to, to categorize what my, what these people have in common who I like and it failed. It just gave me a long disjunct. But yeah, but she has a distinctive voice and it's a distinctive power to it. And it's just, it's just wonderful. It's from an evolution, we're both ev evolutionary psych guys in different ways. And as we know, music, the draw of music is an inevitable fact about, about life. And mm -hmm. it's not, an, it's not at all resolved why we like music. Uh, that's true. What is Steve Pinker's theory? I mean, I guess, uh, one theory would be actual, uh, I mean, not mating calls quite in the bird sense, but a way of advertising uh, your fitness to the other sex. Is that, yeah. that's one theory, right? Does Jeff Miller, is that his? I'm sure. I don't know exactly Jeff's yeah. theory, but that's the kind of theory you would have because Jeff tries to put everything in the, in the line of sexual selection. So he would talk, for instance, about asymmetries between male singers and female singers. Mm. And mm. Um, I don't know, though, in the modern world, I think men and women sing you know, roughly just as well and are roughly just as famous for their singing. Yeah, I, it seems like they both, they're both into it and good so it at could it. Be, it could be a virtuoso performance designed to entrance your mate with your intelligence and your, 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 your skill, your physical skill. What, what Pinker I, said, which got him into a lot of trouble, was huh. he says, it doesn't have a purpose. It's cheesecake. And, it's, um, a spandrel. Cheesecake. it's a spandrel. It's a byproduct of a bunch of other systems. And I think a lot of people were really furious at Steve for the wrong reasons. Like, I don't have a dog in the fight. Maybe he's right. Maybe he's wrong. I've heard different things. But a lot of people were really mad at saying, Steve, you're saying music is useless. Or that music, music is crap. I love music. But he didn't mean to say that at all. You know, music, you know, you know human rights is uh, spandrel. All sorts of great things are probably spandrels. Um, but... The, the the origin of something doesn't say anything about its value, but people really didn't like me hearing using me call auditory cheesecake. It's funny how sometimes they want something not to be an adaptation, and sometimes they want it to be. I guess they want all good things to be natural and all bad things to be not natural. It's it's this weird academic cycle. I've seen this with arguments about the female orgasm. Where, well, that was you know, that's what got Don Simons into into trouble. Yeah. That was, the second chapter of his book, uh, "The Evolution of Human Sexuality," was called something like "The Female Orgasm or, Orgasm Adaptation or Artifact," I think. So, so where did he sign on on that? What was the ending? I don't think he came down super clearly on one side, but he definitely gave a lot of airtime to 
spandrel, not adaptation. Yeah. And by the way, I mean, to people who are in this, if adaptation means, you know, it, it's kind of something that is with us because in the past it did contribute to genetic proliferation. It's, it's in that sense, functional, quote, designed by natural selection and so on. And artifacts are things uh, or spandrels is a common term that that aren't aren't with us for that reason. They're just more like a byproduct of other stuff that is with us is with us for that yeah. reason. Anyway, I, he may have come down on the side of uh, spandrel slash artifact, but he you know got him into trouble. It seemed um, to get everybody mad. So you know, one view is it was just an accident. It's because the clitoris is homologous with the penis, and so you know the penis evolved to ejaculate, and so so the, the clitoris kind of went along for the ride. It was a lucky accident, for right? Women. But then there's a big school of thought saying, no, 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 no. If you have orgasms, this is a valuable adaptation. It allows you to uh, maybe maybe the um, the muscle the, the there's the word here the, the muscle fluctuations draw the sperm into the body. Maybe yeah. it works for peer bonding. Where you have sex with a guy, you have an orgasm with him, right. you're more attached to him it, than you otherwise would. Right. And yeah. It's unresolved, all, I think, even as we speak. It's unresolved. Um, and all I know is that each side not only hates the other side, but thinks the other side is is politically odious. Yeah, it's a pretty contentious area. Um, I've been there. I've been there. Uh, you, you've been in the sex wars? I have been in the sex wars. I mean, you know... My book on Evpsych came out early on. In I mean, the word, the term Evpsych was just coming into vogue, replacing kind of sociobiology. And I think different from sociobiology and, and in some ways more sophisticated. But um, anyway, so yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I uh, yeah, I got in some so, trouble. I got in so, some so, trouble. So, so sudden question. Yeah. Moral Animal, tremendously influential book on evolutionary theory and not a textbook not a not a sort of science book of, of, of any way this is freewheeling discussion a lot of science but a lot of art to it well written and everything you have heard and i have heard people who say i got into the field because i read a moral animal like and and do big wigs say that okay so your publisher comes up to you and says bob isn't it time for the moral animal x years later and how many years would that be Oh God, 1994. You do the math. Um, there we go. Thirty years later. Yeah, yeah. This year would be a good year, wouldn't it? The thirtieth so anniversary. What would you um, change? What would I change? Yeah, you're not going to get to just reprint well, the whole too book. much. Probably, I'd be afraid to go back. First of all, it's nice of you to say that about uh, it being influential. Um, the uh, well, that's the thing. I was I, I toyed with the idea of doing a twentieth anniversary. I think that just didn't change anything. You know, that's what Dawkins did with the selfish gene, just some footnotes, some footnotes. Because yeah. once you start meddling with text, uh, well, that's quicksand. We talked about quicksand last time, I think. And that's quicksand. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and plus, there are things you should change. Like some of the animal findings on reciprocal altruism are now in question, I think, um, like even vampire bats, right? We shouldn't go too deeply in the weeds. Yeah. Uh, but, but, um, and also I'm sure I said a lot of stuff I'd find embarrassing. I, you know, I'm inclined to, to, to do preaching and, and weigh in on the moral issues of our time. Uh, and so I don't know. I, oh. life's too short. I don't know. 
Yeah, this could be an interesting adventure I'm, to revisit this and talk about what's changed. Yeah, I don't know that the publisher would be all that eager to. to I mean, it, 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 I don't know. It's we can save this for for overtime, mm-hmm. moral, or, or even later, even yeah? more moral, more even more animal. moral. Yeah. Now you're talking. I'm sorry. I'm warming <laughs> up to the idea. Uh, but and look. So anything else on? Uh, my last thing about singing is I think some people think that one of the things you would have been advertising to a mate was parasite resistance, right? That's like a big theoretical thing, I think, yeah. that that animals go to... Gr- That's a theory also about, uh, I think, coloration in birds and so on, or am I wrong? I, I have no idea. I'm, see, that's the trouble. I, that's why I can't do a revised edition. I have not been paying attention to Yeah, you'd, you'd have Google Scholar in front of you. A team, a team of assistants, or just Chat GPT, just yeah. m- maybe. Are you now? Now that you're a productivity guru, I saw your uh, your piece in uh, Small Potatoes. Some of the Small Potatoes <laughs> what, on some one of the Small Potatoes franchises. Uh, yeah, uh, on uh, three three keys to productivity. The premise being that you're so much more productive than the rest of us. Of course, that we should seek guidance from you. Fine, fine, fine. Um, but, uh, where was I going with this? <laughs> uh, what are the, what are the product, what are the productivity tips? Wait, I think I was going somewhere else, but it's, it's a great piece. It's got a great chart showing famous writers and how they allocated their day, their work time across the day. Yeah. Charts not for me. It's from this book, Daily Routines, which I copy. My, my relationship with copyright, by the way, is, um, Wait, let me just say, I'm not totally losing it. I remembered where I was going with that. The transition was going to be from ChatGPT was going to be, have you worked AI into your life in a way that makes you more productive? But go ahead and go where you were going. Well, okay. So I, I had this thing and then it got uh, yesterday, got uh, to Sunday, got pinged as Substack's most important things. So all of a sudden I got a bump. Of I like saw it eight, had a lot of likes, a lot of likes. I was it envious. Some, suddenly shot up. Um, so it, it talks about, you know, working in the morning and and weird routines and knowing yourself and so on. Um, the GPT question is interesting. When, when I started off, I was an enthusiast and I sort of had GPT next to me. And all I do for it now is when I'm done a Substack, I run it through GPT for typos and grammaticality errors. Hmm. And it's terrible. It's terrible in that it just takes a sentence saying, you know, where the G is capitalized. It repeats the sentence and says, you should capitalize the G like this, and then gives the same sentence. Mm-hmm. And 80% of it's like that. 15% of it is taking perfectly good sentences and mangling them. And then 5%, it honestly catches things. Mm. Oh. There is a uh, there is a software called Grammarly, which is apparently I, selling very well, which is dedicated to tasks like this. I use Grammarly. And this word you used, grammaticality, was that the word? How does ChatGPT feel about that word? Have you run that word by it? Is that a word? Grammaticality is a straight-out linguistic word. Okay. Okay. Grammaticality of a sentence. Yeah. I'll start using that. Um, So you mentioned uh, human rights being a spaniel. Did you not? Yes. Oh, yes, I did. That would be a great transition to talk about uh, Noah. Is it Noah Yuval Harari? Is that his whole name? So famous uh, Israeli historian, I guess, technically, but kind of, you know, 
cosmic thinker who, who got into some trouble for this, for, for basically calling human rights a spandrel. So I guess you're in that same uh, boat with him. But not only for that, that wasn't what he got mainly into trouble for. Yeah. It was, um, he basically said human rights like God and heaven and religion and nations and states is just a story. Yeah. Just a, a fictional story, whereas like mountains are real. If you if you cut into a human being, he said, you know, heart, the heart, the lungs, that's real, but you won't find human rights there because that's just a story. I think he mainly, he got into trouble from some religious people like Ross Douthat. Yeah. Uh, and then Sean Illing, who used to be at Vox. I think he's now uh, Sharp guy. a podcast of his own. Yeah, yeah. He, he's a good guy. He tweeted about that. And he's not doing it from some kind of relig religious conservative standpoint. He says, this crude subjective objective distinction was appealing in my insufferable new atheist phase. But if your philosophy can't appreciate the difference between intersubjective realities and trivial subjective fictions, it's deeply unserious. So I'm still pondering that. But what's your take on... Uh, did, oh, did I, we settle? I, I, Is it Noah Yuval or Yuval? No. Anyway, it's Harari. 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 Harari, I call him. Yeah, me too. Um, so I have a funny relationship with Harari, which is entirely one-sided, and it's me being intensely jealous about how books, well, his books have sold. Yeah, that bothers me too, frankly. Like, like I'd 200 like to million copies. That, amazing. Everybody loves him. And I, I am fine coming across books that sell much better than mine. Because I look at them and I say, I get it. I see it. I see it. I, I see the celebrity or I see the genius behind it. I don't, I don't, I don't feel level of resentment. But I never saw a species. Like I picked it up at a beach. I, got, I never got it. And people I respect, like Dan Kahneman, saying best book in the last you know, 100 you years. You mean uh, Sapiens or which? Uh, the Sapiens, his first book. That was his first one, yeah. Yeah. I haven't read me. it, but whenever I ask people, like, what's the big idea, I never can get a clear idea of what the big idea is. What is the big idea? You've read it. It's, it's, it's a, a, a reconsideration span of all humanity, but it doesn't have a singular idea in that way. Uh -huh. And then yeah. I'm minding my own business, promoting my own book. I think it was, uh, it was uh, Just Babies. Uh -huh. They get this email from my publisher, and it says, Busy day, busy day, but but we're so excited about it. It's CBS this morning. We're going to get you on fresh air. I know there's going to be some strong with the schedule and everything. Then you're meeting the mayor for a lunch, just mostly photographed at a, and then and then Financial Times by the way needs to drop ed from you right away, but they promise front page. We're holding back a little bit. New York Times or some trouble, and and then I realize this is not for me. As I could tell, this is a very good. This is not for me. They sent you his his schedule. There's an autocomplete. Apparently, there's somebody whose name begins with P A, and it autocompleted some some publicist. And then for the next three days, and I, I email I said, This is not my schedule. Email gets his email schedule, and it's like looking into the life that could have been. Oh man, I'd be bitter. I yeah yeah. I get it no. now. I get it. And, yeah. and, I, and I realize that. that that my schedules are, you know, interviewed by Delaware newspaper station, uh, uh, February 14th, mm -hmm. February 19th. Some school kids want to talk to you about their science fair. 
Yeah. So, I've been there. April, April 6th, bookstore showing, very small. No one will be there. Yeah. That's mine. And this yeah. guy is at a different level. So, okay, so this is my background. Not inclined to like him. Okay, so we, we're, we'll, we'll discount for that. Discount for that. Um, so two things in his defense, though. This is a TED Talk that was a long time ago. What was it, 2011 or something? Was it? It Really? It just got it, it was. It, 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 got it, it just got up, but it was from a while ago. Maybe not mm. 2011, but, but it, was, it was a while ago. And then the second thing is, he's not like defending genocide and saying there's no human rights, so we can kill whoever we want. Rather, in some ways, he's making a fairly banal point that a lot of the things that we value and take seriously are cultural inventions, not facts about the universe. Yeah. We take Gaza and Israel and U.S. and their borders very seriously, but it's not like science without people would automatically posit the same things. These are cultural things, and we take them with great weight. All of that he gets right. Where he gets wrong, in my sense, is, and, and I think to some extent this is just lazy philosophy, lazy and different philosophy, is that it seems there's a big difference between talking about Santa Claus and unicorns, which are fictional. Mm-hmm. Are, we make them up as fictions. If people believe in them, they're suckers or they're children or they're confused. That's on the one hand. The other hand, you have things like money and human rights and Canada. Now, in a sense, these are also created through human work, but they're fictions in the same sense. For instance, just because something was created by people doesn't mean it's not real and true. Baseball was created by people, but three strikes and you're out. It's kind of a fact. It's it's, it's kind of a fact. No, you can't touch it. You can't lick it. You can't smell it. But it's a fact that plays a role in people's lives. But that is a but that's a fact in the sense that because it's an agreed upon convention, you actually see it happen. And uh, so too with a currency, it's a it's 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 an agreed upon convention yeah. that it's worth something. So you see that people hand it to someone and get food in exchange. Uh, he w- I assume he would say uh, that. God and heaven are different. People believe they exist, but there's no evidence that they do. Yeah. Now, I mean, it's true that, you know, that, uh, an actual functioning religion has a lot of, uh, you know, ritual and agreed upon conventions and has actual force in people's lives and organizing force in society and so on. That's true. Yep. Yep. So there, so, so there are definite similarities. But at the same time, if somebody says, there's a God who created the universe and answers prayers, it's open for somebody to say, you're wrong. You think there's such a thing. You have socially created such a thing. But no such thing exists. Yeah. And then you coherently deny it. As you know, some notions of religion don't get to be falsified that way. They're, they're sort of more, you know, credences of how to live and so on. And they're more like money, maybe. But some of the uh, hardcore statements could be proven false. But if somebody said money doesn't exist, it's just stupid. Money's just a story. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is he, he's lumping a lot of different stuff together. I mean, for example, he lumps uh, states and nations. He says they're just like yeah. human rights and God in heaven. They, too, are just stories. 
well, wait a second. I mean, nations are, I mean, first of all, they're geographically coherent, but but that's not the main thing because he could still say, well, but the borders are arbitrary. But the fact is, like, if you could do a map of just like information flow, physical information flow, uh, which, by the way, is one of the key defining things of a physical body, an animal's body, which which he thinks is real. Um, you know, you would see that there's a coherence that corresponds to the claimed territory of the nation. That's Moreover, right. the, 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 that that information can be can take the form of motivating large numbers of soldiers to go somewhere and kill people who live in another nation. I mean, there's all kinds of senses in which nations are real, physical, living things, identifiable, that's really very, that's different from some of the other things he's talking about. One way would be real is to play a causal role, to affect people, to, right. to, to, to make a difference. Now, and now so, that, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm very reluctant to say the United States isn't real. I think, I think if somebody wants to say, well, by real, I mean it's not real in the sense that an atom molecule is, sure. But nobody thinks it is. The United States really is real. Some things aren't real. As best I know, and I know you have your conspiracy theories, but Atlantis isn't real. People think there's an Atlantis, but there's not. Well, I, it's not, I, there's some chance that a shot, in addition to coming from the grassy knoll, came from Atlantis. But let's don't go there. Okay. I, we'll I we'll say walk, JFK. Walk, walk around JFK conspiracy. We'll say J, yeah. Now, um, now it, it's 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 true that nations have been famously called imagined communities. The scholar Benedict yes. Anderson called them that, and that does capture something about them, which is, and it's kind of an an psych related thing in the sense that. We think of these people in these nations as our brethren or our friends yeah. and as having this special status relative to us, uh, even though they are not those things. I mean, you know, our, our brains were designed to think of, of kin as special and to think of friends as special. You yeah. know, people were engaged in reciprocally positive relationships with, but um and yet, you know, three service uh, members get killed in Jordan that you don't know. They're not your friends. They're not your kin. And yet, a lot of people in America say we must have vengeance, you know. Yes. And it, it's true that, that that's an interesting, imagined communities is not a bad name for that harnessing of, you know, mental adaptation, psychological adaptations. For a purpose that they weren't really designed for by natural selection. That's all true. But uh, still, he was being a little casual. Uh, he was being a little casual. People are jumping up and down on him. And, you know, I, I think I take the philosopher's side that is, his casualness, I think, I think his casualness leads to some sloppy thought where it might lead to sort of a dismissal that. Just as you you know that the Loch Ness monster or unicorns or whatever aren't real, Israel and the United States should be thought of in the same brush. But it's not going it's not going to convey many people explain their countries don't exist, right? And and it misses the fact that in so many hardcore metaphysical ways they do exist. They have yeah. spatial borders. They have rules. They have they 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 could 
have causal forces. The United States could decide to invade Iraq. They have st- structural systems and parts. Not every so, so in some ways, not the biggest thing in the world, but it's worthwhile people realizing not everything that's real you can touch. And Afari doesn't seem to know this. Uh, I would say it's true that not everything that's real that you can can you touch. I mean, I would say in all of these cases, there actually are physical patterns of stuff you can point to, you know, currency flow, it's exchange for goods. In all these cases, there is at a minimum physical information patterns. Uh, you know, f- information ultimately assumes physical form, but but you're right in the sense that you mean uh, not everything. Uh, and and even some things that you touch can have um, higher level factors that make them what they are. So Havari at one point says, you could touch a mountain. A mountain's real. You could feel it. You could smell it. You could taste it. You know that. But certainly the stuff he's touching is real. The mountain itself? Well, yeah, I was thinking that too. A mountain is itself a convention. Right. I it's, mean, it's, it's, it's like to be the different joke from about a hill, to be right. Yeah. I mean, in England, things they call mountains, we call hills, literally. Like because yeah. they don't have real mountains, you know. <laughs> and um uh so yeah, no, I thought about that. That even a mountain is a convention, and it's not clear where the line is between a mountain and a hill. Yeah. Uh I, I yeah. The, but, you know, I think his casualness is the key to his success. I've decided that what he's good at, having failed to get anyone to tell me what the big idea is in Sapiens, and having watched some of his talks, or at least parts of them, I've decided what he's good at is just saying things in a really provocative, arresting way. Yeah. They're, they're not original insights. He's not exactly the first person uh, to suggest that maybe human rights are not embedded in nature itself, Yeah, as some people would say. Uh, but... The fact that we're talking about him, that's the key to his success. You the, you speak loosely enough so that, well, it permits you to say things in an arresting and memorable way. And then it has the side benefit of being loose enough to annoy people. And here yeah. we are. We just spent 15 minutes talking about him. Is he talking about us? No. No, certainly Because we're not. so precise and logical, Paul. I'm, I'm taking this down. I'm taking this down for future career directions. Yeah, well, it's too late for me. I bequeath it to you. Do with it as you will. Uh, it's just, it's a, you know, I don't think you should be canceled for this. I don't think anybody should be canceled. No, 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 can, no. But I think instead he should have to go to some sort of... Some penance. Metaphysical... Uh, uh, hell. Uh, uh, How about hell? Hell's not bad. Hell's not yeah, that. Hell. I was going to thinking like a DEI training program, except instead of DEI, or, that, net, or we could have him you know, choose between we're, we're, hell and a DEI training yes, program. Yes, but you know, like so. In, 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 instead of hearing about about candy and and stuff like that, they they hear about about Quine and Rorty mm-hmm. and 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 Aristotle, and they could hear the different metaphysical notions and and you know a little bit of Parfit and some Wiggins. It would do anybody good. Yeah, yeah. Come out of it a better person. So I'm on board. Let's email him. Uh, anyway, uh, he, he says arresting things to get attention. Just this like people good. say about the JFK assassination. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. People laugh at me because I've gotten interested in the JFK assassination. It, it is the prototypical insane conspiracy theory. 
Hey, 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 hey. I just, I'm, I'm just Bob's saying getting his hackles up. Yeah, this is this. You're getting pretty personal here. Okay. But it is. If somebody says, I have a conspiracy theorist I want you to meet, and they come up and, and they say, and they say, you know, Oswald wouldn't. Yeah, you know, that's that's it. Well, but Larry, it's crazy in what I mean, I think Oswald did probably uh shoot the shots. <laughs> and maybe all of them. Actually, but but not all of them. But everything, anyway. Everything I know from JFK assassination is from uh the X Files. Yeah. Where apparently the smoking man plays a role in maybe some aliens. And um uh that movie by Oliver Stone, JFK which I didn't I, like very much, didn't follow it. Yeah. Uh, a Simpsons episode, yeah. as well as a general feeling that, eh, probably it happened the way people said it did. Well, I, I probably shouldn't. I, 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 if I'm going to talk about this at all, it should probably be after the paywall comes down some minutes from now. Uh, I don't know. No, actually, I should do the opposite. Paid subscribers to the non-zero newsletter should be should not be subjected to this this weird obsession. I should subject the general public to it. And then after the paywall, there should be this haven where you don't have to hear about the JFK assassination. How's that for a business model? Pretty good. Thank you. But if I could ask a meta JFK question, uh-huh. because I know I've heard you on another episode. Admittedly, it was one sort of episode you listened to while trying to go to sleep, but, but I heard you on another episode. Phew. You've thrown <laughs> some barbs my way today, Paul. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. meaner. What what's what's going wrong in Paul's life right now? Was it the small potatoes thing? Did I did I set you off? No, no just various life stressors. I got to okay. take it on somebody. Okay, but um, but you're doing this thing. Uh, you, you interviewed somebody about the JFK thing, and so why should I, as a citizen of 2024, care that much about it? Um. Well, also you're Canadian. You're removed from it in a number of ways. Right. You're not mm-hmm. young enough. You're not old enough to remember it. I am. You're, you don't was, live in the uh, U.S. I, I, I was born I, a few I months. Do. A few months after it, you weren't living uh, a few miles from D.C. You know, my father had talked to JFK. Uh, I don't know how long before the assassination on the phone. It was weird. It was like JFK just called him. My father thinks it was a mistake. <laughs> Wrong. Number. You know? Do you know the guy who shot um, uh, 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 Abraham Lincoln? Not personally. John, John Wilkes, Wilkes Booth. Booth. Yeah. So apparently my my ex-wife, one of her direct descendants, <laughs> John Wilkes Booth came up to the theater and had a horse. Yeah. And one of my descendants kindly offered to take the horse and 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 tie him up while Wilkes could run into the building. Oh man. Talk about guilt. One separation. I tell you. Uh but anyway, yeah. So even assuming I'm American. Like, is this connect? I know it connects with Woody Harrelson. And that's mm-hmm. that's not small potatoes. That's going to matter. Yeah, I mean, there's two answers. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not into the. Uh, well, look, there's two answers. One is the story. the the sto- The stories about why there might have been a conspiracy are are like huge things. Like there were these guys in the government trying to get us into a war with Cuba. That's the story. That's like a significant historical question by any reading. If people in the CIA uh, and or the Pentagon 
had the president killed in hopes of getting us into a war with Cuba, that's, a, that's as we say in journalism, that's a story. But the other thing about it is, it's just, it's just a particularly fascinating uh, mystery. I just like mysteries. Um, and this one, there's a ton of shit. You could, you could, there's a ton of documents to appraise various kinds of evidence. It's just like, it's just the world's greatest rabbit hole. Now I have kind of run, I, the rabbit hole I think has kind of run its course for me. I've reached a couple of firm conclusions and I don't think it would be easy to find evidence that shed new light in more than a marginal way. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's almost, uh, There's almost no chance that there was only one shooter. Um, but uh, I do think the shots, it looks like the shots that we know of that, that hit Kennedy in the head and so on. Uh, yeah, could well have come from the book depository. And that's, I don't think I'm going to learn a whole lot more. There's a, there's a ton of fascinating stuff on the CIA stuff. There's just a ton of weird shit. There's two bodies of evidence, okay? The bullet. The, and, yeah. and everything, just the shooting itself was a more than one shooter. And then there's all this weird stuff connecting Oswald to the CIA. And that's a whole story in its own right. And all of that, there's a lot of weirdly suggestive stuff there that I won't bore you with. Uh, the last thing I'll say is the two aren't the same question. You, It, it could be that Oswald, I think, it, in fact, I think it's possible, notwithstanding what I've said about only one shooter, that it's possible that Oswald was the only shooter, but there was a conspiracy. He was kind of pushed toward it by people in the government. That's not impossible. Okay, so, sorry. But so Bob, do you think that there's a general force within you that causes you to take conspiratorial theories yeah, seriously? Historically, I'm not a big, it's like, I've, I went this long in my life without paying any attention to this. I only fell down the rabbit hole on the, on the whatever, the 60th anniversary of the shooting. And you know what did it is, uh, do you know who, who Paul Graham is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's a very noted Silicon Valley guy, started White Combinator. And and he's known as kind of a sage. Have you ever read his essays? They're very good. A little bit, He has yeah. these online essays. And uh, he tweeted on the 60th anniversary, um, I think it should be legitimate. You know, it, it, you shouldn't get ridden out of polite society to say you believe the CIA was involved in killing JFK. And then he later tweets showed that he's pretty sure there was some kind of conspiracy. That was that was actually the first time I had, you know, heard somebody I had reason to take very seriously. He's almost like, you know, considered a, a paragon of, of sober judgment. Um, and and then. Uh, that same day, I became aware of this Rob Reiner podcast, which I would not take at face value. It's interesting, but uh, that's, I would say he's not a person of entirely sober judgment, but but he did this podcast series on the assassination. So I listened to that, got into it. I, I'm pretty much out of the rabbit hole. It's fine, really. But, you know, speaking of conspiracies, last time we talked about the uh, lab leak, and I had just seen this tweet by Matt Ridley saying, game over, this new evidence is, uh, is pretty much proof positive that it was a lab leak. Um, and just the update on that is uh, not everyone agrees. He, uh, Matt's own co-author doesn't agree. She's the scientist uh, who collaborated with him on a book suggesting that a lab leak was uh, pretty likely, I guess. Um, but 
apparently, yeah, the evidence, I've looked a little more closely and it, it whatever you thought the chances were of lab leak, they, they, they logically, I think, should rise in response to this evidence. I'll <laughs> say. Um, uh, and it continues to be the case that the stories, as I said last time, not being taken seriously by mainstream media. Like, so this kind of thing gets no coverage, even though this, now this isn't like JFK. It's not just academic, right? Yeah. Because like, if this happened, there are you know we should take. Uh, whole new kinds of precautions, like have an international regulatory scheme, for example. And yeah. we should do that anyway. So obviously an actual peril. But uh, anyway, it's it's uh, this another casualty of our tribalized times is that they're just, I guess there have always been cat categories of stories that the MSM uh, kind of avoided or, or treated in a particular way, but seems worse. Yeah, and it's, when I wrote my book, Psych, I talked about irrational thinking. And a lot of people want to point to conspiratorial thinking as irrational thinking just by definition. Mm -hmm. And I really push back on that. I think conspiracies are things that exist. Sometimes they exist, sometimes they don't exist. And sometimes a conspiratorial thought interpretation is a correct one. And, um, and sometimes it's not. So it's not, it's, 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 to ask whether it's dumb to, to think that it's a conspiracy is like asking, is it dumb to think whether the Americans were involved? Which is just not smart. It's not dumb. If you, it, it, it determines them well on whether or not you have good evidence for it. So a lot of things that used to be viewed as conspiracies, like um, the U.S. did illegal military experiments on people, or... Um, uh, the U.S. sold uh, guns, illegally sold guns to the Contras. Flat-out conspiracies, everybody believes is now true. Right. And then there's some things which people believe are conspiracies, which are almost certainly false, like um, what happened in Newtown, Connecticut, the mass shootings, is, uh, was a, an, right. an acted-out scenario, and nobody was, was, was actually killed. A grotesque conspiracy. And then there's a whole lot of stuff in between. Like, so I don't know whether Jeffrey Epstein killed himself. But I don't think it's a matter of, well, if my thoughts were, were working properly, I'd say no. I'd say it's, it's, it's a tough call. Yeah. Conspiracies exist. You could miss they them. They exist. And it's kind of weird that conspiracy theory has become a, a pejorative term. Yeah. Because strictly speaking, it shouldn't be. There are obviously conspiracy. All a conspiracy is, is is something that more than one person is involved in and, and the involvement of the, the involvement of some people are not is not known. And, um, you know, and by the way, I, I, I applied the term to lab leak. I don't mean that, that there was anything intentional or, or, yeah. uh, or super nefarious. In fact, you know, what seems to have happened if it happened is this originated as a grant proposal involving this American nonprofit and, and, and Wuhan. And, uh, we didn't get the grant, but they, but they ran with a research, at least in Wuhan, that's the theory. And it was an accidental leak. And, not, and the 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 intentions were good as to what the research was going to do. Um, but yeah, it's uh, um, it is strange. I mean, and everyone actually has their conspiracy theories uh, when you think about it. I think a lot of us have our conspiracies. I've been in academia for a long time. I've been involved in a few conspiracies. Would you like Conspir to share? 
in, in, I could spirit, I could share them vaguely where mm-hmm. I'm in a room with a lot of powerful people. I'm the least powerful person, but somehow I managed to get myself in. And we all say it'd be really good to get this through. And then we think, well, but if other people know about it, they'll stop us. So we keep it secret. And if other people get to vote about it, they might vote against it. So we arrange to not get voted. And, and then we have to do various things and our hearts are pure. This is a good, good thing to do. The people were, were pushing against our ranks, but they're conspiracies. They're a bunch of people getting together to, to achieve some end in secrecy and trickery. Yeah, I want to know more. I want, I want details. I want to know who was denied tenure. <laughs> some other time. I remember it remember very deeply. I remember I remember because I, I said to, to my fellow conspirators, I guess it then goes to a vote. And they all laughed at me and they said, there's actually um, a little known codicil on our thing saying that these things don't have to go to vote. You know, they're important to want to waive that. And everybody says, shall we vote on that? And then the person says, no, no, we're not going to vote on this. This is internally decided. That's a great phrase. This has been internally decided. <laughs> internally decided. Now, uh, speaking of things that have been internally decided, I think it's about time for the uh, aforementioned paywall to come down. I was advised by someone not to, not to like use terms like pay and money that I should say, I shouldn't say this is for paid subscribers of the non-zero newsletter. Uh, I should say uh, premium subscribers or something, or, or members maybe. Now, you're I'm not, not sure ready. Much of a you difference. still haven't gone paid. Now, as soon as you go paid, you know, then... So when, uh, so when I go so, paid, am I able to get access to all of the things that we've done together? Well, we haven't set them up that way. Uh, I mean, look, I'll give you a comp, okay? You want a comp to me? <laughs> I can arrange that. But uh, you, you could put them retroactively in your archives, yeah, but you would I'm have doing. to do that. You would have to do that. Uh, you, okay. you mean, can I, it, when you go paid, can a paid subscriber to your newsletter go back and listen to all of the overtimes that we've yeah. done? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, we could give you the files that you could post on your newsletter. They would appear all date-wise like consecutive. Anyway, yeah. we can talk about this. It's not impossible, but I'm not an expert on these things. So, so the thing is, I'm torn between two things. Yeah. I really like making small, writing small potatoes. It's small. It has like 45,000. Oh, oh, by the way, the other bad news for you, I learned yeah. about the other newsletter. She actually grows potatoes. <laughs> I mean, you are so dead. She's got God on her side and she grows potatoes and you're going to compete with her? She's a fucking rabbi, man. Give it up. I do feel She's a potato God. growing rabbi, Paul. Come on. Come on. I do, I do feel that. Rename your news. <laughs> I think we got to go for synergy. <laughs> I think we got to realize that the, the whole is so much more than the sum of the parts. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, the, the problem of going paid for me is that, yeah. well, the plus of going paid is I understand it'll get me more money. Maybe. And, and, and that, that, that is not a small inducement. We're renovating our house. Money is real. Money Don't is, listen to the Harari. Yeah. Money is real. Reading, oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. If money isn't real, can he give me some of his? Because <laughs> yeah. he makes like a hundred million a book or something. So you think he would wouldn't want to hold on to it if it's not real? Anyway, yeah, no, it's a good um, question. It makes we, money. Yeah, and I put a lot of work into Substack more than I should do. More than I work on anything irresponsibly connected with my academics. But the negative is I don't like writing posts 
that I only give to us very small restricted people. You're right. People. For me, writing is tough. Writing is, so I want to give my fruits of my ideas to the whole world. Okay. How do you get around that? We're going to resolve that in overtime, Paul. Oh my God. Okay. People, don't, I'm not giving this advice for free. Okay. So if you can give me like 10 Substack tips to boost your pain. So ratios. if you want to hear the Substack tips that can make you rich, that can, that can make Noah Yuval Harari, if that's the order of his names, envious. Yeah. You pony up, become a paid subscriber to the Non-Zero Newsletter. Then you can set up your special podcast feed that will always have the overtimes. And okay. you'll be super special. Plus, supporting good cause. Would you agree? Definitely. Definitely. Uh, um, we yeah. also, before we tease the final, we should, could also discuss jury duty. A show you were trying to get Oh, the show into. Jury Duty. We can discuss yes. that I, in overtime. And I, and I saw the first season. Did you see it? it it's very, good, right? Did you like impressed. it? Very impressed. It's really good. Yeah. I learned about it while I was on jury duty this summer. Uh, That's how I learned. Somebody mentioned it. And uh, I finally got around to watching it. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's like the closest thing to the Truman Show uh, that real life has yeah. brought us, I think. Um, and uh, so we'll talk about that. Good, good reminder. And we'll talk about other stuff. I, I I don't know. I may I may JFK. Not much. I swear. I'll say for the end. Uh, and I don't know if um. Well, maybe we'll we'll get back to your productivity tips, which we discussed a little last time before you'd run this piece. I got the actual piece on uh, yeah. small potatoes. Uh, one of one of the many small potatoes newsletters uh, has that piece on um, small potatoes on, too. You can call it small potatoes too on productivity uh, productivity tips which got a ton of traffic. Okay, now we head into overtime. Thank you, everybody. Uh, and we will see some of you in overtime.